you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast would follow Mike Tomlin anywhere. Starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? What's up? Got the new intro. Yes, that was good. I like that one. Well, we've already established that I will follow Mike Tomlin anywhere. Yes, Wes is Any a big bar, Tomlin. any scene, any sewer. I'm behind him. <laughs> and we don't want to give it away, but you know, there's going to be more surprises. This is a general idea of the intro, so let us know, you know what you think at NFL ATL, uh, the Twitter account. I know Crystal is so happy right now. If I had thrown in a hashtag, our producer <laughs> would just be jumping up and down. Hashtag NFL ATL. We're not really like a hashtag group. I hate to break it to you. We're not organized enough, I don't think. <laughs> well, this has been a crash course for Crystal, who who's, seems to be very organized, and she's trying to lead the, the soldiers, but the soldiers, you know, were a little ragtag. So, Crystal, I apologize that the past week, sometimes not everything goes to plan, right? That's right, but at the end of this season, you guys will all be speaking in hashtags. Yeah, I have a sense that Crystal is... Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Crystal. Yeah, she's not going to sit with our style for long. She's whipping us into... She's secretly kind of like a, a 45-year-old middle manager because she loves <laughs> meetings. She just loves having meetings. Things are changing. It's kind of like a Lumberg from uh, Office Space. Type <laughs> of. What's happening? What's the more the merrier. All the right, more great. emails. No, we appreciate it, Crystal, because we need a rudder. But um, <laughs> all right, so thir- it is now Friday, Thursday night. We had four games. Um, so let's just get right into the right into a breakdown of those. Greg, you wrote up the piece with the help of Chris and I, uh, breaking down the what we learned. Um, Eighteen facts. But why don't you jump get us started, Greg? What was the big takeaway on Thursday night? I couldn't help but think about our friend Mark here and mm. the Cleveland Browns, uh, just because. It's like they can't have nice things. It's like right when <laughs> Brandon Whedon is looking so good, people are talking preseason MVP, or, or I was talking kind of tug-in-cheek there. That all goes well, then there's a bunch of injuries, and, and that to me kind of was the story of the night. The Browns' injuries along with Whedon. Mark, what, what was your reaction watching at home? You're the only one that had the night off from work. 
Wow, we got to get that in there, don't we? Well, no, I was actually <laughs> watching the game very closely, and uh, you know, listen, I mean, as a Browns fan at this point, I'm a little dead inside. So I, I saw all these people were tweeting at me saying, "Oh, Mark Sessler must be so excited about Brandon Whedon and what's happening in Cleveland." It's like, it, honestly, it, it's it's the middle of August. Let's keep our expectations in check. And yeah, by the end of the night. A laundry list of injuries have essentially put expectations back where they should be <laughs> in a very dark place. I can att- First of all, I can a- a- attest to the darkness and the deadness within you on, on several of those. But uh, what I wanted to say was Mark sent me an instant message before the game started. And I think this was more because, again, Mark was you know, in his little back room watching the games with a, you know, a Corona with a lime in it probably. And he said, I have a feeling there's going to be a potentially serious injury to a major <laughs> player tonight. That. No, it was a it was psychic, just like a premonition. It was yeah. a psychic feeling that just washed over me. Right. And I needed to share it with he someone. He shared it with me. And I just think there's something um, cosmically hilarious that half your roster uh, went under during that game. Do you, there had to be some type of tie there. Hilarious, right? maybe not the word, especially <laughs> for the franchise. But... Um, you know, listen, I do look at those injuries, and there was a, a varying level of severity, but it looks like most of them will be back outside of Deion Lewis, potentially by week right. one, two, three. So. And, and to Greg's point about Brandon Whedon, I looked in both directions and just casually hopped aboard the Brandon Whedon hype train. Oh, wow. It's a rollicking. It's, ro- it's, a, it's a rollicking, rollicking train. I'm very excited. The guy, this is, he, I don't know, big guy, I know, preseason, whatever, making big throws. Beautiful touch pass to Josh Morgan. He's got his friend Cameron, the tight end, that looks like a playmaker in that offense. I'm sneaky in right now. You know what's funny to me is that you and Mark both jumped on the Brandon Whedon train before Rob Chudzinski. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. This is the biggest farce in the NFL right now. Well, you're you're referring to... Quarterback quote competition. Oh yeah, Chud did not still not announcing the today. Chudzinski gathers the media together and says, "Nope, nope, nope." I know Whedon is leading, leading the preseason in, in passer rating. Has taken every first team rep throughout uh, off season practices and training <laughs> camp. But I'm not ready to name a quarterback yet because we've got this fierce battle going with Jason Campbell, who is purely a backup. I mean, it's a bit of a farce. But then you look in Buffalo; they've got Kevin Cobb starting tonight. Yeah, but he's taking first totally team different. reps. He's starting. <laughs> I just Such think disrespect to the guy. We it is. It we is. He cannot win. You gotta reward the guy for what he he's done these last two weeks, and the fact that he's taking every rep. He's gonna start. So why do we need to go through this farce, this charade? Well, wait. Why are you? Why are three people angry at me about it? Like no. I'm the guy that for you know 25 years hasn't even understood the feeling of a potential franchise quarterback. I don't necessarily see weed in that way on any level. Okay. I think the organization is also skittish about him from the top down. I think their plan is to draft someone after this season. This has a feel of back when Chud was last with the Browns, Derek Anderson blows up in 2007. They pump the brakes on any idea of drafting or grooming another passer. They give him a big contract. The entire shop melts the next season. Mark, I feel like we're ganging up on you, but there were a lot of exciting things. First of all, they've lost their starting guards, and hopefully <laughs> they come back. But otherwise, you know, Mingo's going to be back. Lewis ultimately is a, a backup running back. They can survive that. They have decent depth there anyways. But I like watching Whedon because when, when he's making mistakes in this game, it's all vertical. It's all down the field. He's yeah. getting protected well. They're being aggressive. 
They're kind of fun to watch. The well, Browns. the core difference is Pat Shermer was coaching an offense last season that couldn't have been a worse fit. He's got better coaching and an offense that suits what what he is, a big-armed guy. Not sure they're all going to go to the right team, but there you go. Okay, so we, we can get back to the Browns for our uh, AFC North preview in a few minutes with our very special guest who's now behind the glass. We still have not uh, told the public who it is. But, uh, He's a good-looking man. Very good-looking. Rugged good-looking man. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so the other, the other big takeaway, Greg, from Thursday night, uh, I think you got to go look at how well Michael Vick played, and I've heard a lot of talk. Wow, both Michael Vick and Nick Foles have looked great. What a good problem to have. This is such a close battle, and they've only had four possessions each, but Nick Foles has turned the ball over twice in those four possessions. I don't think it's that close. Vick has been more or less perfect. You couldn't ask for him to do anything more in the preseason. Foles has, you know, he fumbled it twice last night on top of the interception. He's made mistakes. I don't know why they're not going to name Vic the starter now, but I don't think it really makes a difference. This is a fun, a really fun offense to watch. I don't know that I have much more to add to that. Vic's better. He's a better player. He's a better fit for the system. It's a no-brainer. Four tight ends on the field. I know that was getting – Mark really likes the scheme variation. I mean, Chip Kelly's not trying to show too much, but they were playing very fast, showing a lot of different – Formations. I mean, they're going to be. I don't know. I was. I was picking the Eagles to win the division in the middle of the summer, and now I'm feeling even better about it. I mean, I think the big question going into yesterday, and Dan wrote about it, was: Okay, we have all this attention on the offense, but the defense doesn't look markedly improved from last season, and it was a disaster last season. So, what happens with this team on both sides of the ball? Can are they more than an eight and eight team when you put the defense into the equation? Last night, the this game was not one of the games I watched, but. I do know that uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers' offense, they even left in Newton longer because they, they were not getting a foothold. Was that more about the Panthers struggling in offense or the Eagles' defense being a little better? Well, they've completely scrapped the read option for the most part. Like They, don't, they look really different than last year, and Shula has, looks like he's put it into more a base offense that just has Cam Newton stressing more of the pass. I don't know, maybe there's some adjustment there, but they were saying it was a better offense for him. He, he missed some throws. Steve Smith didn't want to go over the middle, made some business decisions because of the preseason. <laughs> they, really, the only touchdown they've scored, I think, in eight possessions this preseason is when they got a short field. So they haven't played well, and I think it just raises the question in Carolina. Mike Shula has pretty much destroyed any offense that he's run. I mean, he, he leaves Alabama, and they become the greatest college football juggernaut of the last you know 50 years. Uh, he hasn't done much as a pro coordinator either. I think that's a fair assessment. Mike Shula has shown nothing that will lead us to believe he can run a creative, imaginative NFL offense. But it's the preseason. so that's Right. Like, like That's the point. Like They haven't shown any read option. Well, the Redskins didn't show any read option last preseason either. We, you know, They could be waiting to unleash this. Why does Mike Shula get hired if you know, universally he's seen as kind of a schlump? He's not got it done. <laughs> well, what was that? Well, the schlump. Well, these things. <laughs> this is just a theory of mine, but these things tend to happen with the mom and pop football op- operations. Like the Bengals do this kind of thing. Maybe not as much l- recently, but they hired his brother Dave, who lasted for t- way too many years as the head coach well, there. Ron Rivera is probably on the hottest seat in the NFL. He can't go and pick his choice of assistant out good point. there to yeah. come join yeah. his staff. Shula's been Cam Newton's guy. Cam is excited about it. I think it's a little early. The, the thing with the preseason is sample size. I mean, ultimately, they've only had eight possessions, so it's not that big a deal. Okay, so we did the AFC East preview 
on Wednesday. Now we move to the AFC North. And more importantly, now we welcome in our special surprise guest. He is the man that in some ways helped birth the Around the League <laughs> podcast uh, by giving Mark and I our start. He is a legend in his own time, the great Dave Damashek. The godfather. What's the poop, fellas? Whew. You okay, Dave? <laughs> a little fragile. <laughs> That was pretty grim acting there by Dan <laughs> I am okay. Yes, my voice, fragile as it is, now finally mat- matches my ego, <laughs> what I have uh, emotionally going it's on. It's nice to have another Jew in the studio. Yes, I know. This place, now Mike Silver has joined uh, the NFL Network. This place is getting lousy with Jews. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we had we had Rich Eisen last week. Now we got damage. Speaking Shack. of It was Jews. this week, Monday. <laughs> Oh, was that Monday? That was Monday. Wow, okay. So <laughs> we brought Dave in because it is time to talk the AFC North. And I think uh, like we did uh, on Wednesday, uh, we're going to each of the four of us ATL guys are going to pose a question. And since Dave is here, let's get right to it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. And Greg Rosenthal will be the man asking the question. My, my question for the group, and we'll start with Dave, uh, is do we think Ben Roethlisberger still has an MVP type of season in him well i if we can pick up where last season started until the time of his uh injury that uh i don't know if that was overstating things to say it almost killed him but until that (laughs) point he really was having an mvp type season i mean the steelers in 2012 obviously were a flawed team and yet they were positioned pretty well they were an almost certainty for the playoffs until that injury so i guess based on that Yes, talent-wise and everything else, the problem is, of course, is what he's got going on or what he doesn't have going on in terms of pass catchers. Antonio Brown, your number one wide receiver. Don't know if I buy that one. Heath Miller, we don't know where he's going to be. So the pieces surrounding him bring into question how effective he can be and how effective the offense can be. You had Antonio Brown on the Dave Damashek football program, correct? I did. In fact, I had uh, Ike Taylor on. And uh, the uh, the shutdown corner, of course, and we'll have that for you early next week. So be on the lookout for that. Cross yes. promotion right here. Mm, that's how you good. do it. That's what. We, and, and also another corporate word is synergy, and that's what we have going on right now. <laughs> Ike Taylor, AFC North stalwart. You know, right. now you guys are previewing the North. You see how one hand washes the other. It's perfect. Um, yeah, I said to Ike exactly what we were talking about. I said Antonio Brown. I like him very much. He's been terrific. You know, more consistent even than Mike Wallace over the last uh, few years. But is he a number one wide receiver? And he said, "You're damn right he is." And uh, you know, got it. I'll take him over. I'll take him one on one over anybody in the league. I said, "Well, he's not as good as AJ Green." And he said, "Yes, he is." I assume that this is being supportive right. of a teammate, and uh, I don't know how much you can read into it beyond that. I think the fact of the matter is, it, at a time in the NFL where uh, our pal Warren Sapp says the middle of the field is the Autobahn now, the Steelers have no fast cars, no, a.k.a. no tight ends to, to take advantage right. of that. So it's, uh, I, I, you know. I am uh, skeptical of what the Steelers' offense is going to look like this year. The Steeler fan is down a little bit. Of course I am. Not just you, though. I mean, the the average Steeler fan seems down in the dumps. Yeah, I feel like Tennessee probably has the biggest range of um, of – possibilities that I could see Tennessee going 4-12. and 12. I could also see them going to the playoffs. In fact, uh, as a glass half full sort, I will put them into the playoffs. But I think the Steelers, 
and the Ravens, as a matter of fact, have a big range in that regard. I mean, I could see the Steelers a seven and nine, six and ten bunch, but then again, it wouldn't stun me the way the last you know fifteen years or so have gone for this team. They don't stay down long, so I wouldn't be stunned to see them bounce as, back. As a quick aside, uh, we the around the league team, everyone mo- their desks got moved around today, and we got moved to a section now that gets us very close to where Warren Sapp saddles up mm. um, every once in a while when he makes his special visits to the newsroom. It's got louder in our area now. You better watch out, man. I will. Well, you know what? I'm not going to say anything bad. Warren Sapp, Hall of Famer, great man. But Shaq, who came in, walks right up to Sapp. They have a rapport. You guys are kind of boys. That's a Hall of Famer. I'm, what, 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 I'm a human being. I went up to him and, and said muzzle tub on uh, the Hall of Fame speech and everything. Did you have fun? Well, I, I encourage you, nay, I demand, as, a, as another citizen of Earth, that you do the same as soon as this podcast ends. Who are you? You don't go over to him and say, hey, nice work, fellow. I'm, oh, I should kiss the ring, you're saying. I, that's not kissing the ring. <laughs> Do you say of any job in the world, hey, I heard something good happen for you. Good for you, bub. Well, I guess I guess sap with sap is, you know, a little intimidating. Sometimes. You're a sap, sir. <laughs> you're being a sap. He's Warren Sap. Hall I like Sap likes to mix it up. I mean, he we were talking Tannehill the other day, me and a guy on the desk, and he just jumps in there. He's like, you're wrong. And he, t- he tells me mm-hmm. why I'm wrong. You misunderstood what I was saying, but I still like that. Hey, he wait, was, did, he you yeah, did you clarify? Yeah, did you correct? Yeah, he, it was actually he was trying to say that I was too down on Ryan Tannehill, which is like the we op- know that's not true. Right, yeah, it's the opposite of sure, of personal unitis. Right, but I just like the fact that he cared enough to like jump into our conversation and, and just get in the mix. Okay, so all right, sorry for that little uh, detour, but let's <laughs> let's move on. So we got the Steelers. Uh, Wes, why don't you give us a little Bengals uh, question? Well, I promised you guys a mind blowing stat. Oh, here it is. Only two quarterbacks in NFL history, Dan Marino and Peyton Manning, have more touchdowns through two seasons than Andy Dalton. Hmm. Is this the Andy Dalton we're getting this year, or are we getting the guy who crumbles down the stretch and disappears in the playoffs? Hmm. Judging by the way you said crumbles, I know how you feel on this. <laughs> anti bengals as always. He's in the closet. I don't know if, Shaq, if you knew this, but Wes is in the closet as a Bengals fan, but he said he, he swore off the team because of the ownership. No, of course. I, I am uh, familiar with Wes. He joined us on the podcast uh, uh, last week, I think After it you was. High-hatted He's him, one like- of my – I listen, <laughs> schedules get muddled, and uh, that's what happened. But, listen, Wes is one of my favorite additions of 2013 to uh, – to the NFL. I love his uh, homespun ways. And, <laughs> and uh, I, find I, like, it, I find it charming. What is that code for? <laughs> I think you can read between the lines. <laughs> I lived on an island before I came to L.A. Every, there's big buildings out here. Fancy cars. I like it. I love I that I've turned into Gummer Pile. Have you ever eaten? You ever? I heard about it in movies. You heard about this sushi? <laughs> That's pretty close to the truth. <laughs> no, listen. And if you want to hear any more of this impersonation, just come down to our newsroom. Dave will be doing it for hours while we try to work. You know, now that his NFL AM impressions are no longer useful, he just let goes me tell wrestling. you this. Let me tell you this, Wes. I understand any Bengals fan cynicism. But and this is not the hard uh, hard knocks effect happening to me every year. Of course, when you watch the show, the producers of it are incented to make the team compelling. Ergo, you come away with it thinking, "Wow, this is a 
what a collection. How does this team not win the Super Bowl? In this case, though, I really buy the Bengals. And Andy Dalton is the lone question, save maybe Drake or Patrick and some issues on that back end in the defense. But, you know, they have the best front seven, bar none, in the NFL, right? They have some nice pieces in the secondary, at least. On offense, a good offensive line, two good and different kind of runners, uh, dynamic back in Bernard, potentially. The pass catchers are everywhere. Sanu gets hurt, but when he does last year in his rookie season, he's starting to shape up as being a legitimate option there. And then you have the AFC's version of Calvin Johnson. Unless Andy Dalton is just an abject bum, you know, it's not that he he does he certainly doesn't have to be some electric QB. He just has to be again one of those guys who's capable. He has to be in the top half of the quarterbacks. I think he's going to put not. up a big number. He's not. I, he I hasn't you know I, been. I put him I put him right in the middle there. I put him right in the middle and let's assume that given that he can't rely on a lot of the QBs that have had their big breakouts in the last couple of years can all almost across the board rely on running away from trouble and that creates an extra that creates an extra issue for defenses to contend with. They don't know what that guy's going to do. There's been a league-wide attempt to to um, react to the running quarterback when the plays are designed to do that. Obviously Andy Dalton isn't going to be that. He also doesn't have a rifle for an arm, but like I say, if you keep them upright with that running game, with those weapons, I, I, that offense is going to score a lot of points. I like them from a fantasy standpoint even and, and beyond. I think that team is the class of the AFC this year. See, I disagree with you on, on Dalton, and I'll tell you why. Because I think you talk about low-floor, high-ceiling type quarterbacks where you just sort of don't know what you can get, but if he's on, he's going to take your team real far. With Dalton, I feel like he's not going to – vary too far from one game or one season to the next. He's not going to be a bum, but he's not the guy that they're going to is there going to be a situation where Dalton has to rescue them out of a dark place? I just haven't seen that from him. And in two big and I know I always harp with you Dave on that Bengals Texans playoff matchup which was a complete snooze fest, but that to me is Andy Dalton in a big spot. I welcome for him to prove me wrong, but in two big playoff games he went to sleep and I don't see him as a playoff or a Super Bowl-type quarterback at you're, this point. You're making the exact same point I was going to make, and I'll, I'll borrow something from Chuck Klosterman where he says some things are underrated, some things are overrated, some things are properly rated. Andy Dalton is properly rated to me. He's like a 15th to 17th best quarterback in football. I don't really see him ever ascending much higher or lower than that. I think he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Put a great team around him, the team could still be a real playoff contender, in my opinion. That's overrated. He's not that good. I'm I mean, with Greg. He's, he's not even a middle of the pack. He's not even fifteenth. No. no, I don't think so. I mm. could come up with twenty. I think before you get to does that. Does anyone not remember last December? Every game that Andy Dalton played, he just I, sat there and held the ball. Uh, against the Eagles was awful. In that in that playoff game, I mean, that was one of the worst playoff performances you could have. Let's not forget who their head coach is in a big spot. Marvin Lewis, game management. Is that the guy that, that you want running the ship? So I think when your head coach, I, 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 he's good at running a team, but he's not a great you know kind of game day coach. And your quarterback's Andy Dalton. To me, he hasn't shown that he's even that middle tier. I'd much rather have a guy like, let's say, Jay Cutler, who probably would be middle, middle of the pack. Well, first of all, I will say that while it's a facile sort of comparison year to year, though, would we have said anything different about what, the way you just described Andy Dalton? What would be what would anybody have said about Joe Flacco? Except Flacco well, had I won a number of playoff games already, and, and he has a big arm. I get, yeah, I get that, but 
and and that's a valid point. But what you said specifically, this is completely anecdotal. I know this is one time, but when the season was on the line for the Bengals in the final seconds in Heinz Field against a good that defense, was a big game. statistically, it wasn't just a big game. He and, but he and they hadn't scored that game. He I, was a terrible I, example. He was I know. Awful that I know he was. I absolutely know he was lousy for the bulk of that game. But with 20 seconds left on the clock, in potentially even in the season, he threw a strike on a tough, I mean, a tough throw to the sideline. We've to AJ seen Green. Mark Sanchez do that strike. over and over again, and nobody's Listen, talking about him. As they a put that team into okay, the playoffs. Fellas. All right, all right. We Sanchez got, could be a good comp. I like that. Birds in their <laughs> nest agree, please. Uh, we got to keep moving here. All right, let's move on now. Uh, Browns, you talked about them at the top of the show, but I will now pose a question, and it will tie back into Whedon because I liked in the newsroom, Wes and Mark were getting a little catty with each other while I was trying to bang out content about <laughs> Whedon. I am going to say this to you. Since I have now hopped on the bandwagon, I'm saying 31 touchdowns, 90 to 92 rating, 4,300 yards. Am what? I crazy to think that Brandon Whedon could become – a top tier, nah, not top tier, mid to top tier quarterback. You're in out the of next your tree. Years. Are you making? I don't know if you're being sarcastic. Dan lives in a world where there's only 20 quarterbacks. <laughs> Randy Dalton is ranked 15th, and there's only four or five below Everyone him. Everyone throws for 4,300 yeah. yards. I mean, suddenly Brandon Whedon would be Tom Brady. Then I listen. I listened to our podcast where we did the records predictions, and I thought everybody was playing a little safe. I'm going to be the guy that goes out and says Whedon steps up, becomes a big playmaking quarterback. But am I crazy? Sounds yes. like I am. Yes. I, I just listen, I, I think the problem with Cleveland is that something happens to that team every season where by week four or five the roster has been absolutely plagued with injuries. We're already seeing it. And there's just not enough depth around him. I, I look at these other teams like the Ravens. They can lose a bunch of players and still survive the season. They did it last year. They lost Suggs. They lost Ray Lewis for a stretch. They found their way out of that. Cleveland hasn't learned to do that, and I just don't see Whedon as a guy that can command that kind of you know leadership from week to week. Here's the problem with Brandon Wheat. He's the fourth oldest guy on the roster, <laughs> and he's he shouldn't be in a condition in his NFL career where he's still developing. He was inaccurate last year. At six foot four, he led the NFL in batted passes, and he showed poor pocket presence. How am I supposed to believe that a guy who's 30 years old is going to get better? Norv Turner. Still 29. That would be the argument, is Norv Turner. He's I the, think, the quarterback but, whisperer. But why is Norv Turner the reason, his absence, the reason that Phillip Rivers erased last night is going to improve and have a revival, but then Norv Turner in Cleveland, his pr- presence there is the reason that Whedon's going to grow. I mean, it, that doesn't make complete sense. Yes, it does, because the offensive line was such rubbish in San Diego. North Turner requires that his QB hold the ball for an extra half second when the <laughs> offensive line is atrocious, right. especially with that weirdo throwing motion and diminished <laughs> arm strength for Phil Rivers. I don't care what anybody there says. He obviously ain't spinning it the way he was in the first uh, five to seven years of his career. Now you got. I think this plays obviously right into Whedon's hands. Uh, is a guy who can push it downfield. I would liken him to. I mean, big play QB. Yes, you know he'll be like Jay Schrader. I know that's not a compliment, but I bet you, you we'll see plenty of highlights over the course of the season of him hitting Gordon for for a big one. The problem is he'll throw some picks as well. I think you nailed it though, Sessler. Why the kind? Why, why this weird controversy? Why would why is anybody's anybody actually looking at Jason Taylor? It's because the franchise, the coaching staff, and 
beyond don't want to own Whedon. And they, that's Wes's. That actually oh, that's your, is. That's yeah, Wes. that's Wes. They ought to hang a banner from their team headquarters saying both Campbell and Whedon are eminently available for draft picks right now. Well, our former colleague was on record, and that's the general manager of the team, of what he thought about Brandon Whedon. Right. I mean, and they've tried to kind of back away from those comments, but Michael, I mean, he said what he said. It was a lousy draft pick. The offense fits him, though, right? It I mean, does. That's it does. Help. And actually, I mean, it's really Whedon's opportunity to change minds. I think that, you know, you go back a month ago, everyone that's visited this team over training camp says Cleveland's not sold on Whedon. They don't believe he's the guy. They're already looking at the draft next season. If Whedon continues to play and grow, yeah, you know, they're going to adapt to that. But right now, the thinking, I don't think in Cleveland, is this is our guy for the long haul. You guys just wait. Just get ready for the big season. <laughs> Dan, and, by the way, and by the way, on defense, the individual pieces, again, it's all about these days, it seems to me, that the idea of a, the notion of a shutdown defense that holds the other team to 10 points or fewer is, you know, out the window largely. They have at least playmakers. What you want are guys that can take it away a little bit, and that's exactly what they have all over the field now. They could be very good on defense, and Ray Horton was a huge addition. I mean, they could be right there with everyone else in this division on defense. Okay, let's move on to the defending Super Bowl champions, Baltimore Ravens. All right, when I look at the Ravens, and I guess we're a little quarterback heavy, but I look at what Flacco did from basically the start of the playoffs through the Super Bowl, he erased everyone's negative feelings about him for that month. He was supreme. But now we're at the start of a new season. And as Flacco goes, the Ravens go to some degree. I think that defense is arguably better than they were last year, younger. Will Flacco, at the end of the season, what will we think about him? Will we think he was the guy we thought he was before the playoffs last year? Or does he grow from where he was? I think Greg made the great point when Pitta got injured originally, which is this is a guy who... You know, showing that he could carry a team in the playoffs that has shown flashes of being the guy. But now, for them really to be real contenders, he needs to carry this team. He needs to show he could do... That four-game run he had was as electric as any quarterback is going to play. I mean, remember, we were there sitting at the Super Bowl. You could not have played a better half of football right. than Joe Flacco did in that first half. I mean, he was incredible. I, I tend to think he's going to be kind of like Eli Manning uh, after he won the Super Bowl especially the second time, and carry it over and, and be better. Uh, it might not show up in, with great, great statistics, but I think he's ready to be better over the course of the season. You can extend that stretch longer than four games. He was, uh, I think, had a 106-107 passer rating and a 15-1 to inter- touchdown interception ratio from the time Cam Cameron was replaced by Caldwell. And I agree with you. He it does remind me a little bit of Eli Manning. I think he's he can be even better than Eli Manning, but I expect him. I mean, obviously he's going to struggle a little bit early in the season without Pitta and Bolden were his two best possession receivers last year. He's going to struggle without a go-to receiver. Uh, but I expect him to keep getting better and to kind of stabilize and, and keep at this top ten quarterback uh, level. I think he's I, I in with the way we regard him statistically, fantasy and otherwise. I guess that's a good gauge is how he finishes uh, in fantasy numbers. But in you know in terms of practical uh, wins and losses, he's such a fantasy guy now. Well, no, listen, I'm just I, there's a wow. way to gauge them. I but by you've, the way, you've been I, under Fabiano here, too long. Here's what I'll like, say to you, Rosenthal. I agree. I, it's funny when when you start throwing out or anybody throws out like, is this guy a top a top ten QB or whatever? Everybody always just sort of 
skews to like, yes, he is. He's in the top ten. Well, yeah, that's easy to say in a vacuum, but let's list them out and actually see if he finishes in your top ten. Once you actually put the names down in front of you on a piece of paper, then they tend to fall out. I think he's not in the top ten QBs. One and two. I feel like as great as he was in the month of January, um, Anquan Bolden made. I, I've said this a million times before, and now I shall say it for the million and first. He made so many strong catches, physical catches in traffic that um, that made Flacco look good to some degree, and made the difference in in not just the Super Bowl, but but specifically the Super Bowl and beyond that. Dennis Pitt. I mean, look in terms of just raw numbers, Pitta and Bolden. How many of the touchdown passes that he threw in the postseason? were caught by those two guys. They're not there now. Torrey Smith is very good, obviously, the speed and everything else. Can he catch the ball consistently? He hasn't shown an ability to do that. I, I, I feel like he is, Joe Flacco is a fine QB. I will say he's certainly in the top half of the quarterbacks in the league, but I don't think he's – I know everybody loves the adjective elite. I don't put him into that category, even though I'm not exactly sure what it means. Okay. Okay, so let's now go around and uh, pick the records for the AFC North, okay? We will start with Mark Sessler. All right, I go uh, Pittsburgh to win this division. Wow. It's like you were just deciding that as you were saying it. I was. (laughs) Uh, 11-5 and with a rebound year. They do this. Whenever they have a bad year, they come back and they... they, The Steelers don't slump for long. 11-5. and Baltimore, ten and six. Bengals, nine and seven. Browns, four and twelve. Jeez. All right, Wes. I also have the Steelers winning the division at the same record, eleven and five. Bengals, ten and six, tied with the Ravens for ten and six. All three teams make the playoffs. Hmm. And Browns bringing up the rear at four and twelve. No love for the Browns. I felt like Mark was just being harsh on himself because it's his team setting the bar low. But Chris someone's got to lose those games if you got the top heavy. Uh, Greg, let's hear you. I I thought I was being cool, you know, coming up with the Steelers winning the division. Now we all have the Steelers winning the division. The Steelers are apparently the favorites, Damashek of the division. I got them at eleven and five. Ravens at ten and six. Bengals at nine and seven, not in the playoffs. And the Browns with five wins, eleven losses. Okay, I have. The Bengals at eleven and five, winning the division. I got the Browns going nine and seven, taking that number six seed in the playoffs, led by Brandon <laughs> Whedon's All Pro season. I feel like you just jumped on the ba- like I'm yesterday. In. It was a bum. Now this one nope. preseason game, he you may love. not be no, sober. I was heading in that direction, and then he got me yesterday. Ravens also nine and seven, and the Pittsburgh Steelers seven and nine. Check. Uh, we did not give you time to plan this, but do you want to take a crack at what you think the record? I gave him a heads up. I say this. <laughs> The Bengals go twelve and four. They win the division. Like I say, you talk. Uh, Sessler laments the previous two postseasons with Texans and Bengals. Get ready, Football America, because that's your <laughs> AFC title game this year. Wow! Good In God. fact, I'm contemplating going with. I know this isn't final, but, but I am contemplating going with the Bengals against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And that would be a nightmare for for marketing for reasons for 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 the <laughs> network and and beyond. That would be Fox would not be excited. Well, about the NFL Dalton Schaub AFC championship. Oh, that's exactly right. Sessler and I were talking about it yesterday too. That uh, the that that the NFL has gotten 
you know, improbably lucky over the last decade. You know, there was the run in what was it like the late '80s, early '90s, where no Super Bowl was ever close. It just seems like there was a decade of blowouts. <laughs> but lately, they've been all, almost all good games, compelling uh, Final Four and everything else. This year is the year where it catches up. <laughs> now, in, in in the biggest media market in the world, I think this is where it catches up. It's like whoever survives the Shab Dalton showdown gets uh, the the impossibly charismatic. Matt Ryan and company <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Now, well, there, there'll that. be a blizzard as well, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah. Twelve and four for the Bengals. They win it. I will say for the Ravens, I think they slide back a little bit to nine and seven, which really shouldn't stun anybody. Or, or I mean, because really they were very close to not making the playoffs. You know what was it? Uh, the, the the Ray Rice play fourth and twenty six. In fact, he only got fourth and twenty five. But no, uh, but that's that's fair. <laughs> and and also let's not forget that Jacoby Jones won them more than one game with kick returns. I know it counts, but it's not something you can plot going into a game. Well, well we can probably rely on six out of out of our kick return game. Also, Jacoby Jones introduced their preseason game last night by dancing before the game Enough like Ray Lewis. That, yes. So when you're replacing Ray that Lewis got to with go. the Dancing with the Stars fourth runner-up or whatever, it's got to go. I think you have to be unusually good, too, to Wait, to, bow, to come back from a Super Bowl. He's a top 100 NFL player. And he's an <laughs> NFL AM Hall of Famer. So yes, let's treat him with Nate Burleson and Jacoby Jones first ballot. <laughs> I think it's unlikely that that, uh, I think it's unlikely that uh, well, first uh, Jacoby Jones, the the most uh, troubling thing to hear if you're a Ravens fan is he's now their number two wide receiver. That's oh. that's bad news. And um, so yeah, so I think uh, so I think they fall back a little bit. Let's say nine and seven because I do agree with Sessler that probably the defense is a little bit better. But I think it's hard to come back from a Super Bowl win, the hangover that we always hear about. I think there's some merit to to that. I don't think they're that special a group of, of players <laughs> right, that they can checked? overcome that. All right. The we got, Steelers. We got Crystal behind the glass having a panic Steelers attack. Steelers will go just what they did last year. No, you know what? I'll bump them up. I'll say, nah, eight and eight. But one caveat. I know you're a, you want to go, but let me just say. Trent Dilford, for a name drop, who really understands the X's and O's, of course. Yes. I've been saying this since last season. That with that with the Autobahn, the middle of the field, and it's a passing league and everything else, I have a hunch that maybe it's as simple as Dan Rooney wanted it to be and the Rooney family likes old school, that Yinzers in Pittsburgh like, yeah, get back to running the ball like Franco and like when Mean Joe was, was doing his thing. That I think that they are positioned to do that. They're, because defenses are going to be – that the safeties are going to be deeper and so on. And yet they're, they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. There's an opportunity to run the ball. If Levy and Bell is terrific and David DeCastro turns it on the way expected, that line is young and potentially dominant. Maybe they will turn the 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 philosophy back. Trent Dilfer predicted as much. That said, I don't like some of their pieces on defense. Their, their secondary is old, old, and old and gets hurt a lot and so on. So – and then the Browns, I think, are better than probably you guys think. I'm going to say for them, six and ten, seven and nine ish. You know, with okay. some, with some uh, promising signs going into 2014. So three of us have the Steelers winning the division. Two not even over 500. I have the Bengals winning the division. Right. Two of us have the Bengals. Oh right, right. Gotcha. That's the kind of division it is. Okay. You're so. sleeping on Marcus Wheaton, check. I li- I like what I saw. I just don't uh, I'm, uh, trusting rookies. You know, I don't know. Is that, that's going to make the difference? Why, what have you seen in two preseason games or one preseason game that Wheaton? gives you enough confidence? 
dynamic playmaking ability. All right. I hope you're right. Believe me. I hope to be wrong. I hope you can throw this in my face in New York City or slash uh, New <laughs> Jersey in February. That won't be the only thing I'm throwing in your face in New York oh, City in February. Gonna... Awkward. <laughs> Shaq, if you would be um, so kind, will you sit in with us for our segment, The Metrics Matrix, where no. we try to guess. Are you I'm in. Okay. I'm in. He's in. He's in. We're going to try to guess. Greg, our editor-in-chief, is going to give us four choices. Three choices. Excuse me. Three choices for uh, stories that we have posted on around the league. Uh, it will be our job as a group to pick which one did the best in terms of oh, fun. page views. Is that how we do it? Is yes. it unique visitors? or <laughs> I guess it's page views, yeah. Okay. When I say this is fun, I mean for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what unique visitors is. I just threw that out there. But, um, okay, so have at it, Greg. Well, I'll throw in a fourth. And this is America's uh, – they love it. This is their favorite running segment we have so far. We <laughs> love the response. Uh, let's start off with <laughs> stretch, but all right. Well, it's the only segment. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Williams, back on the list for a second straight week, mm. says the Philadelphia Eagles defense is soft. That's that's number option number one. I will throw in a fourth option. Why not, mm. Dan? Number two on the list is Geno Smith had a brutal practice, according to Rex Ryan. That's option number two. By the way, those sound effects you're hearing in the background. Worked on that with Crystal this morning, so congratulations for uh, your segment. Just got a little more exciting. Great job, Dan. Thank you. Congratulations to you for all the <laughs> self-congratulation. Um, Devery Henderson, cut by the New Orleans Saints, is option. Cut by the Redskins. Cut, cut by the Redskins, of course. I, I uh, was opining he might join the Saints. Uh, Devery Henderson, cut by the Redskins, is option number three. And then option number four, Robert Meacham. Body has broken down. San Diego Chargers mm. wide receiver Robert Meacham's body has broken down. Which and they all can did, I ask? Was that was that last one? That was the one you just threw in. I, I'm, the, the if fourth? I gave that away, it would kind of give away everything. Ah, so good. a lesser strategist would, <laughs> would 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 have shared that information. I would have had you. Dang. All right. <laughs> So we've got two former uh, New Orleans Saints wide receivers featured. But to review, Kerry Williams says the Eagles are soft. That's number one. Geno had a brutal practice, according to Rex. Uh, Devery Henderson cut by Mike Shanahan and the Redskins. Or Robert Meacham's body has broken down. That's option number four. Let's go around the room here. Dan. This is a good one. I know the Saints fan base, they're very, um, they're very fervent. So I think... They could be it, but I don't think either of those stories were big enough that it would um, be either of those. Let's say Geno Smith brutal, pretty good, uh, but I will go. Dan always picks a post that he wrote. I will go <laughs> with Carrie Williams uh, saying the Eagles were soft. All right, that's Dan. Wes? Well, I've already conceded that uh, this game is way too wily for me. <laughs> I can't figure it out. <laughs> I do know, however... Just a few months into my career with NFL, that uh, the media cares much more about what's going on with the Jets than fans do. So it can't be Geno Smith brutal. Hmm. Um, Good job. I'm going with, uh, even though you appeared to try to slip us up by throwing this in at the end, I'm going with Robert Meacham's body is broken. All right. Wes goes with Meacham. I'm going with uh, Hansis on this, Kerry Williams. Kerry Williams, Mm -hmm. who uh, got people wrong last week. Tripped, tripped up a couple people. Mm, I like hint? to make the same mistake mm. twice. And uh, <laughs> Damashek. 
I uh, I agree that it is the Eagles. I think this is based on I, I, I with this game each week. I would just play to which fan bases seem to respond to the most stuff. Philadelphia Eagles fans obviously jump in on that stuff, and you're mixing in the World Champion Ravens and their uh, and their uh, zealous <laughs> fan base. That combo puts that over the top. All right. Well, Mark, Dan, and Damashek all answer Kerry Williams, and you are all. Wrong. For a second straight week, Williams trips wow, you guys got up. It. Got us again. Well, that was Boykin last week. Uh, oh, was it? Well, whatever. Let's not. <laughs> let's All not right. just be sticklers. And uh, Chris <laughs> Wesling, you am to Robert Meacham, and you are absolutely correct. Yes. Ah. I have defeated the game. I did it. <laughs> what do I get? <laughs> I'm going to drink in on the moonshine early today. <laughs> wow. All right. We need, yeah, we need to start tracking these and we'll have maybe the winner gets a prize of some kind. Uh, we are, we're out of time. Sheck, thank you so much for joining us. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Well, I, it's, a, it's a terrific podcast that I've already, uh, I've already, it's already become a, uh, a regular part of my rotation in the podcasting. Awesome. World. Anything you want to plug on your end? Well, the Ike Taylor, kibitzed with him, Swagga, as you know him from Monday Night Football when he says his name, uh, <laughs> he was delightful. We talked about whether or not he'd ever date a woman named Tina. That was one of the questions. <laughs> no. And then we got into uh, you know some Steeler-centric conversation otherwise. Good stuff out of number 24 there. Look Excellent. for that early next week. All right, so uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll do the AFC South preview, and uh, hopefully you'll join us then. Thank you for listening. Do you know what that term means, Crystal? Because I just learned it from Wes. Say it again. I mean, I can. I've never heard it really <coughs> before, but I can put it together. Yeah. Is it when you like don't have an undershirt on? No, it's just a guy. It's with, like a guy uh, with boob, like guy. Boobs, it's just right? like moobs. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a, like a specific brand of like man boobs. Yeah, it is. They're not like <laughs> that big. They're just kind of. They just show up to your shirt yeah. a little bit. You don't have. Yeah, they're just kind of. You don't have a They're not even really party. saggy. Right. They just kind of stick out a little right. bit and then hang. Can we add this to the end of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
I'm late. I'm late. Very, very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come